Greetings, parish orphans and retrogrades. Timothy Gordon here with a special final pre-election episode. I have with me none other than the ineluctable Michael J. Knowles from Michael J. Knowles Show and Daily Wire. What's up, Mike? How are you, man? How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Nice to see you. Yeah, great to see you, too. Great to see you, too. And and we're in the final stretch here. This is going to be airing on uh, Election Monday. So we're within 24 hours. How are things going over at... Daily Wire's HQ. Absolute madness. I do like this idea, though, that it, the election week is sort of like a holy week. You know, there's election Monday, <laughs> yeah. there's voting Tuesday, and then there's yeah. litigation Wednesday. I mean, it's going to be going on for probably a very long time. You know, the, the, everyone's trying to make predictions now. And those predictions and a $1.50 will get you a cup of coffee. They're basically worthless. And the reason they're <laughs> worthless is some people will tell you don't believe the polls. Some people will tell you, do believe the polls. The polls, though, are almost like an, a non-entity because polls only work, models only work in relatively normal times. And as you know, we are not living in normal times. We're living in the time of, that, of the Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. You know, So we've got the virus. We've got this bizarre, widespread mail-in voting with unsolicited ballots never happened before in American history. We've got uh, election fraud, some, some evidence of that in places like New York, in places like Philadelphia. And even beyond the fraud, just errors with the mail-in votes, that's a big problem. So we just don't know what's going to happen. If, if Florida or, or North Carolina or something goes for Biden on Tuesday night, then the election could, could just be over. Or, I mean, some very excitable Democrats are saying that Texas is going to go blue. I don't think that's, yeah. that's ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. But, I, I, you know, knock on wood, I don't, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch. Or you could get into a situation where Florida goes for Trump. Let's say Carolina goes for Trump, Ohio goes for Trump. You know, you kind of have a normal map, and then you're just all fighting over Pennsylvania. And as we know, there have been a lot of problems in Pennsylvania. So that could go on for days and days and weeks and weeks. Who knows? It could go on for over a month. You could end up in a Bush v. Gore type of situation. So we're just in uncharted territory. And I think it just means we're all, none of us are going to sleep until, until we have a new president picked. Or the same president, hopefully, picked. Yeah, yeah, that would be ideal. Hey, man, it's harvest season, and the Dems are harvesting ballots, it looks like. That's true. It's that October. True. You know, you know they're, they're harvesting ballots. They've been doing this in California for a long time. And for those who don't know, ballot harvesting is when you go to, say, a nursing home or something. And there are absentee ballots there now. They would just be widespread mail-in. And you get some campaign hack to go over and you either, you know, guide the person into filling out their ballot or you just take the ballots. And if you're a Democrat hack, which is most of these guys, you go to the Democratic areas with the Democratic nursing homes. You take those ballots, you collect them, you mail them in. And maybe you don't go pick up the Republican ballots or worse. Maybe you do go pick up the Republican ballots, but you drop them in the trash heap before you make it to the, the mail station. And they've been doing this in Cali for a long time. Republicans haven't done anything to oppose that. I, I think this kind of ballot harvesting probably explains some of the unexpected flip of Orange County, California, which used to be conservative. Then last midterm election, it went left wing. It might explain some of that. The good news is, though, apparently Republicans are starting to catch up to this game. And I'm all for it, man. I think ballot harvesting is a bad idea. I think early voting as a rule is a bad idea. I think unsolicited mail-ins are a very bad idea. 
And yet, if those are the rules of the game, then we've got to play by those rules. You're not going to win by unilaterally disarming yourself and pretending that you're really self-righteous and, and you know, you're so much better and holier than thou. You win by winning. That's what happens in politics. And we have an obligation to win. I mean, we are not merely ethereal creatures floating around in outer space. We are people. We, we do have flesh and bones, and we've got to try to um, have a political vision that isn't transparently evil, which is uh, the vision that we're seeing pushed by the modern left. You may not be, but Mitch Romney, Mitt, Mitt Romney, he really is. He's, he's, yeah. He floats around. He floats around the aisle. He goes back and forth between the left and the right, of course. So speak for yourself, man. No, you're right. There are plenty of squishy Republicans who do this. Jeff Flake just just <laughs> put out this ad. It's one of wow. the dumbest ads I've ever seen, which is saying a lot. I've seen a lot of dumb ads. And he, he, you, you see this type of ad come out almost every cycle, which is some disgruntled squish say, you know, I'm a lifelong Republican, but I can't vote for this man. And, you know, it used to be Bush, and now this man is Donald Trump. They've been doing this all the way back to the Goldwater campaign. I'm a conservative Republican, but I can't vote for a conservative Republican. And so Flake came out and he used this dumb slogan, which is country party. John McCain used to use this slogan, country over party, which is, of all of the stupid slogans in our political discourse, this one might be the dumbest. This one might have the least meaning because, I don't, I don't know if you know this, I suspect you do, Tim. When you join a political party, when you support a political party, you do it because you think it will help the country. That's the, that's the whole reason. That's why you do it. So if you are supporting the political party, by definition, you think that is good for the country. If you switch, it's not that you're supporting your country over your political party. It just means you're switching parties, which Jeff Flake did because he's a big lib. And that's very unfortunate because the stakes are very high in this election. Yeah, with regard to electoral politics, anything could happen. We all know that. Pennsylvania, which you mentioned, was jeopardized, I guess, by Biden in the last three and a half minutes of the second and final presidential debate when he tossed under the bus, tossed out the window, whatever metaphor you prefer, fossil fuels and fracking. He lied about it a little bit, covered his ribs. But at the end of the day, he came out and said fossil fuels and fracking are gone. How this, influential will that be? I, I think this is such a key. Trump knew it at the time. You know, when, when Biden said it, he was, hold he on. Did. Well, hold on. That's a big statement. And then the moderator yeah. tried to run over it to, uh, to give cover for Biden. Yeah. And he said, no, no, you're not running over that. You hear what he just said, Pennsylvania? You hear what he just said, Oklahoma and Texas? Because that's a big deal. I think Republicans sometimes... We get a little too lost in our own excitement. So, for instance, this past couple of weeks, we've had the Hunter Biden scandal. Big story. It actually was a big scoop by the New York Post, which got this hard drive from Hunter Biden. Shows a lot of lurid photographs of strange women and crack pipes and things like that. But it also shows a lot of texts and emails and evidence of corruption that go not, not just to Hunter Biden or his uncle Jim Biden. It goes all the way up to Joe Biden. There's a lot of evidence of that. And so we've been following that. We've been talking about it breathlessly. Look at the Hunter Biden scandal. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's, right. it's like attacking Trump over the, the mean tweets and the colorful personal life. 
That is baked into the equation. We have all known about Trump's colorful personal life since the 1980s. Nobody doesn't have an opinion about that. Same thing with Joe Biden's corruption. The guy's a swamp creature. He's been in D.C. for 47 years. We know that he dropped out of the 1988 presidential race because he lied and plagiarized speeches. The minute he got on the Senate Banking Committee, he was getting his brother's sweetheart loans and then calling up the lenders when they tried to collect on his brother. We know his brother, Jim, also uh, peddled influence in the 1990s trial lawyers in prison for we know that Jim Biden got a one and a half billion dollar contract for construction in Iraq during the Obama administration. Jim Biden doesn't know anything about construction or Iraq. Why did he get that? <laughs> we know Hunter Biden was on the take for at least 50 G's a month from this Ukrainian energy company. And we know that Joe Biden was not only aware of this, but was playing a role in this situation. So it's just I'm not excusing that kind of behavior. I'm just saying that people know that politicians are corrupt. They know that Joe Biden is particularly corrupt, and they don't care because it doesn't affect them. We, we bake that into our calculation on politicians. We know there's a little grift. We know there's a little going on. That is always true in politics. Focus on what affects people. Their energy prices, their jobs, if they're working in Pennsylvania or Texas or other places that, that are involved in the energy industry. Focus on that stuff. Focus on the radicalism that Biden is going to bring us, because that affects me much more than some grift or con that he's getting out of Ukraine. Do you buy into the the Internet is awash with the, the three uh, hard drives theory? Do you buy into the other two hard drives that you're you're seeing uh, float around there in the ether on the internet, you know, you know uh, containing juicier stuff. I'm not sure that I've I, I've seen the specific rumors of this. I have heard that the FBI is now in possession of this material, and that the FBI is slow walking it, or has been slow walking it, or is covering it up. But I'm I'm not familiar with the specificity. Is the idea that basically there's just even creepier, more lurid, more corrupt stuff on these other hard drives? Yeah, basically, uh, more lurid, more more internety uh, yeah. items of juiciness on there. I, I I never know how to feel about these things because sometimes in odd, unprecedented, sui generis twenty twenty, sometimes these things are coming true. Sometimes not though. I'm I'm not a goon that believes everything on the internet, so I was wondering if anyone's well, vetted it. You know, the the problem is that the, the term conspiracy theory has, has now been robbed of all meaning because the other day I was Googling the Biden-Ukraine issue. What do we know about Biden and Ukraine? We know that uh, Devin Archer, Hunter Biden's business partner, had a meeting at the White House with Joe Biden. We know the next day, no, five days later, uh, Joe Biden flies to Ukraine. He becomes the Obama administration point man on Ukraine. We know the next day Devin Archer joins the board of Burisma, the corrupt Ukrainian energy company. We know about a week after that, Hunter Biden also joins the board of Burisma. Neither of these guys had any knowledge of Ukrainian oil or the Ukrainian language or anything like that. We, we then know from these emails from the hard drive that uh, though Joe Biden denied having any knowledge of this, he actually met with one of these corrupt Ukrainians at the behest of his son, Hunter. So, so we know all of this, right? Biden, Ukraine scandal. Do you know what comes up on Wikipedia? Debunked. Yeah, I, I, or something the, like that. Yeah. The debunked, discredited, and then the title on Wikipedia, Biden, Ukraine conspiracy theory. Conspiracy right. theory. I, I right. think there's only one word that's wrong there. It's theory because it's the Biden-Ukraine conspiracy. We know it. We have right. the receipts. We got the evidence. So, you know, you, you hear some crazy things on the Internet about, I don't know, aliens or whatever. And although apparently they're aliens, too, right? Didn't the federal government tell us that they, they actually have evidence of UFOs? Anyway, that's a story for another time. But right. they, they'll, they'll call these things, you know, they'll, the, the people on the Internet will talk about all these crazy, lurid 
things. And, and usually I won't believe them just because I, I tend to prefer the simplest explanation for, for phenomena. But you can't discredit things as conspiracy theories because the people who are running the conspiracy have, have completely uh, abandoned and, and destroyed that term. Yep, the people that are running the conspiracy are running the website. I mean, Snopes started yeah. doing this five or six years ago before the 2016 election, man. I, it's hard to know where to lay your head to rest at the end of the day, intellectually speaking, because yeah. stuff got so weird. 2016 was arguably Trump's because of the November 2nd, November 3rd WikiLeaks dumps. Last time we found out half the Cl uh, Clinton campaign was satanic so there's been right. this strange <laughs> yeah. no i mean that that was it i know they would go to those dinners right what were they, the spirit, spirit dinners and all this spirit. kind of weird stuff yeah marina Abramov. no i mean but it was a it was a real email it was like hey will you yeah. come to my spirit cooking dinner and it was marina Abramovich who was already known to yeah. the stars injecting satanism into their videos yeah. and stuff lady gaga swallowed a, a rosary it's real stuff and there's nothing like looking at someone's private email that was intended to, to be kept private. What we have is, and I guess this will help us transition, a, a broad uh, destruction of whatever wall of separation Jefferson thought in 1801 that we would have between church and state. Now, church politics became global politics in, in this Vatican where Pope Francis hangs out with Ban Ki-moon and Jeffrey Sachs, the Soros operative, and his yeah. best friend is apparently Eugenio Scalfari from La Repubblica. He's given, what, 11 interviews to him now, and he says some crazy stuff. I mean, what what is going on? What's the connection that we seem to be seeing, a, a popular realignment of church and state on the wrong well, side of it? It's, it's interesting because you say that the church's politics are the the world's politics, which is frankly fine by me. My problem is that the world's politics are becoming the church's politics, and that's a big <laughs> that's a big issue. Uh, the 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 Eugenio Scalfari issue is is an. He is a very old atheist journalist of La Repubblica, this left wing and center left Italian newspaper. But it's center left by Italian standards, which means it's it's quite far left. And he he's given these interviews with the Pope, uh, or he's received these interviews from the Pope. And you always get this kind of kooky stuff that comes out of those interviews. And then immediately the Vatican says, oh, no, it was a misquote. It was that's being misrepresented. You're not getting the whole story. And you think, OK, fair enough. I don't have any any faith in journalists whatsoever. But if La Repubblica keeps misquoting the pope, why does the pope keep giving him interviews? That Precisely. doesn't make sense to me unless this is not a misquotation, or unless the, this kind of confusion that it breeds is something that is being encouraged from the Vatican. I mean, you, you've seen this confusion going on for the entire pontificate. Just last week, you, you heard news reports that the Pope is embracing civil union laws, you know, for homosexual couples. And I don't, I don't know what to believe about that, because Cardinal Bergoglio, Pope Francis, back when he was Cardinal Bergoglio, described laws to redefine marriage as no mere bill, this is a direct quote, no mere bill, but a machination of the father of lies that seeks to deceive and confuse the children of God. I thought, whoa, calm down there, buddy. That's some pretty trad stuff. That is based yeah. and Argentina pilled or something. I don't know. I mean, that is really, and, and then you get 
essentially the opposite statement. You get you get this this movement, I guess, from the Holy Father saying that we need to change the laws and begin to redefine marriage and have these civil civil unions, which I guess are not technically marriage, but it would seem to me a euphemism, and it would seem to strike at the core of marriage. So I don't know what I am to believe, and that confusion, whatever the Holy Father intends to say, that confusion is a problem, and above my pay grade, I guess, but it would seem helpful if it would stop. What you also might not have heard, Michael, we haven't talked about this privately, is that when he was Archbishop of Buenos Aires there, he made a statement uh, strongly supporting gay civil unions or, or what have you. And yeah. so in that document uh, documentary, Bert Francesco, I think it was yeah, called, yeah. that came out last Tuesday, he was referencing that. He used the past tense of speech when he said, I supported gay civil unions. So yeah, there have been some really strong anti-homosexual agenda statements he, he made in, the, in his early pontificate. There have been some strong, strong, uh, with language uh, like the, the stuff you were peppering in, anti-transgender language. But at the yeah. same time, we always know, we, we, we Catholics, we know to watch out for the UTEP two-step as it comes from Bergoglio Francis, whatever you want to call him. He was, he was doing it in Buenos Aires. He was doing it when he was garnering and, and, and implementing the support of the Sankt Gallen Mafia, the super far-left Northern yeah. European liberal cardinals who elected him, nearly elected him in the 2005 conclave, got him in the 2013 one. So I know to watch out for it because I've watched him do this for all seven years. He definitely said that. He definitely made reference to a decision that he made. So it's bothersome for Catholics I get a different perspective than you do because I, I'm just working here in my den. You're working with other people there, who some of whom are, are Catholics, fellow Catholics, some of whom are not. It's quite embarrassing to have this happen all the time. Even, even for me, just in my den, I'm embarrassed in yeah. front of myself. But yeah. what's your perspective on it when guys out there, evangelicals are out there saying, like, this is really bad, and it's, it's, it's vetted. It's, now it's, there's been no Vatican denial of it. Right. You know, the, the Pope is only infallible when he's not fallible. And I think a lot of our evangelical friends are, are not aware of this, because you hear the phrase papal infallibility, and you think that if the Pope goes out and says two plus two equals five, then uh, that's a true statement. I have to believe in that statement. Uh, no, that's not the case. I, papal infallibility has been invoked, what, twice or something in the history twice, of the yeah. church? Yeah. So I, I, uh, he can say untrue things. There has been a trad reaction to some of the Pope's comments, which is, you and I might, might request clarity. Cardinal Burke might request clarity on some of these comments. Say, uh, this doesn't sound right. Could you please clarify your statements? And uh, some people on the trad side will say, You're not, you, you should not criticize the Pope, ever. That it, it is actually a product of liberal modernity that you feel that you are entitled to criticize the Pope on Twitter or however, and that that itself is really wrong. And you know, just submit to Pontifex, which is fine. I mean, I in a broad sense, I say submit to Pontifex, but that doesn't mean that one cannot have an opinion or or criticize. Actually, I think that trad reaction is a product of liberal modernity. It's a, it's a reactionary response to this idea that we should spat our opinions at any given time and we're all just sort of atomized individuals. It, it, it goes so far in the other direction that it takes 
out of account reality. I was just recently rereading Dante. Dante puts two popes in hell head first with fire burning the soles of their feet for eternity. That seems a little tougher than whatever tweet I'm going to send out asking for clarity on a question. So I think we shouldn't, it is true that we shouldn't uh, make make popes out of ourselves. You know, we, we shouldn't make uh, whole religions unto ourselves. But likewise, there is nothing in the Catholic tradition that says that we can't, we can't make humble criticism and ask for clarity. And I, I think it's uh, perfectly reasonable when you're getting such confusing statements from the Vatican. Certainly, man. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, let me put it this way. We got confusion in the, the secular world, the world at large. We got confusion in the church Confusion everywhere. 2020 has been, for, for most people out there, the weirdest and wildest year yet. We're waiting to see what we can expect tomorrow, I guess, on Tuesday. And we're probably not even going to know. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you out us here. What uh, Bring us out. What do you actually expect? And what will be the fallout? Will Joe Biden concede if, if Trump wins? Things like that. And then I know you got a hard out. Hillary Clinton told Joe Biden that he should not concede under any circumstances. <laughs> I love these guys. They accuse the Republicans of undermining democracy, refusing to concede the election, st still overturning the election. Hillary Clinton never gave up that election. She still calls it illegitimate in 2016. The, the left, particularly in the bureaucracy, the deep state, the administrative state, have, have tried to overturn that. They did that for three and a half, four years. Now they're saying we're going to run again and it's not looking great for us, so we're not going to concede the election under any circumstances. They're always projecting. Joe Biden, months ago, hired a team of at least 600 lawyers to litigate this election. So I think they will put up a very strong fight. I don't know. The polls are closing up. The polls aren't always wrong. Polling itself might be misguided, but the polls aren't always wrong. So it's closing up. Uh, who knows? I mean, it's a coin toss. I, I'm not going to make any predictions about how Trump does in Pennsylvania or, or North Carolina. I've put a small amount of money in a friendly election bet with some of my friends here on Donald Trump. I do think President Trump has a, a decent chance of winning, but I'm not positive. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Biden won anyway. The one thing I will promise you is we've been told that all of this madness, the, the violence, the, the intimidation, the uh, aggressive mask policies and all these other kind of lockdown policies, we've been told they're going to go away after November 3rd, right? It's gonna, coronavirus is going to be magically cured after November 3rd or 4th. Well, why is that? Because the lockdowns are obviously a political decision to try to steal the election from Trump. I, I don't think anybody disagrees with that at this point. 15 days to slow the spread became 215 days to what? To wait until the election. So there's a reason to think that, but I don't think it's going to happen. They've taken too much power and they love it and they're not going to give that up. And when Joe Biden said we can't take four more years of this while his supporters were burning down the country, that wasn't a, a plea for a more peaceful America. That was a threat. Give us exactly what we want or we're going to burn your country down. Nice country you got there. Sure would be a shame if something happened to it. That is only going to increase. And by the way, even if Trump wins, great, we'll get another four years, I hope. They'll try to impeach him again. But that doesn't solve the problem either. It'll be a, it'll be a little bit of a band-aid, and hopefully we can make some structural changes in the meantime. But we are headed for what I think is a major regime change in the United States. We've had a couple of these in our nation's past, and I think we're due for one now. And when you've yeah. got Biden supporters spray painting death to America on banks in Philadelphia, you know that you're, you're out of the realm of civil discourse debating the, the edges of a constitutional system. So even if Trump wins, all I can promise you is 
I guess this is the, the uh, classic advice of the Scottish optimist. You know, a Scottish pessimist, as my friend Father George Rutler says. Scottish pessimist says, uh, things can't get any worse. And a Scottish optimist says, oh, yes, they can. They will. We, we can have <laughs> yeah. hope. Nice. Things will definitely get a lot worse before they get better. Sweet. They can get worse. Look, man, I was writing about it back in 2012 uh, for the American Thinker. We're on the cusp of regime change. And people thought I was crazy eight years yeah. ago. No one thinks it's crazy now. No, no, it's a cultural problem. And I guess this is the, the sum up moment for, for what we were talking about earlier. The overlap between religion and state. The, the point of nexus is the culture, the cultura. And when you got a bad culture, then it doesn't matter how good your, your constitutional regime is. Same thing as what all the founders and framers said, quoting Aristotle and Thomas Aquinas. You yeah. need a good culture. The culture has been bespoiled, at least with, I don't know, 100 million to 150 million of our citizens. We are on a wing and a prayer here. Remember, the most popular flag of the American Revolution was the appeal to heaven flag with the Christmas tree. Yep, that's right. I think we're in that moment, and uh, God be with us. And I, I heard you say it on your podcast the other day. I say, I close every, every cast here with it. Dave's Volt, God be with us. God bless America. And... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what's around the pike. I'm a little afraid to peek. Yeah, that's, that's right. You, well, you keep your eyes closed and pray for a little bit of time, and then we'll open them up on Tuesday, see what happens. All right, well, thanks a million for being with us, Mike. I know you guys are really busy at Daily Wire there. I, have you moved yet? Have you, are you about to move? We have not moved. I don't know whose decision it was to, uh, to move the entire company during the most consequential presidential election of our, of our lifetimes, I guess, so, you know, uh -huh. an actual presidential cycle. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, we'll, we'll sleep after election day. Probably not actually because Biden won't concede. So we'll sleep, I don't know, January, <laughs> yeah. February, March. Yeah. If, if you're lucky, not, not if Michael Anton's right. I, I interviewed him <laughs> over the weekend. Well, good. And oh, final, final word. How is your book with words? I know, I know we've squeezed lots of jokes out of that the last few times I talked. Isn't it the book on the history of political correctness? Is it's, that yes, being it's written? Coming, it's, it's coming along. Uh, I, this is, I, I've learned it's much more difficult to write a book with words than without words. That was another brilliant idea of mine was while the company is moving, while I'm uh, doing, uh, you know, doing this uh, to uh, write a book with words. But it is coming along. It should be fun. I'm sure it'll be very uh, politically incorrect and get all of us canceled. So I, I really appreciate my last time being allowed on the air before that, that kind of uh, outrageous forbidden material uh, gets us all sent to the gulags. That's good. That's good. All right, man. Well, thanks a million. I'm going to be watching this as closely as you will. And uh, thanks a million for your time. All right. Thanks, Tim. I'll talk to you later, man. Peace. Thanks, Mike.